Green Street Joinery and the American Craftsman Podcast are proud to partner with Montana Brand Tools. Montana Brand Tools are manufactured by Rocky Mountain Twist in Montana, USA. With numerous patents dating back to the invention of the Hexshank system by our founders, we strive to produce accessories that add precision, flexibility, and efficiency to your toolkit. In addition to woodworking tools, we produce many high-quality cutting tools that are used by the aerospace, medical, automotive, and industrial markets. Our end product has a fit and finish that is beyond comparison. Montana Brand Tools are guaranteed for life to be free of defects in material and workmanship because we build these tools with pride and determination. For 10% off your order, visit MontanaBrandTools.com and use the coupon code AmericanCraftsman. All right. Welcome back, people. We're here. Episode 22 now. Yeah. Season 2, episode 22. And episode 1 of the Shaker Period, one that uh, seemed to have gotten the most interest, you know, people have uh, expressed the most interest in the Shaker Period. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of um, misperception, misconception, which is the right word. Mm, I don't know if misperception is a word. Misconception, misconceptions. Yeah, about the shakers and the design styles and stuff. How it sort of has become this generic kind of uh, yeah. style. Anything Some with ill-perceived ideas. <laughs> <laughs> the Shakers were some interesting folks. They remind me a little bit of like uh, who who have we spoken about? Pennsylvania uh, Dutch. The Pennsylvania Dutch, yes, you know the Puritans. The Puritans. Um, and like a lot of uh, early uh, immigrants to the U.S., they were escaping religious persecution mm-hmm. and. Just basically trying to seek new opportunities, a better life. Good luck doing that now. <laughs> it's funny, you know. Again, we, I mean, we always dip back into history. It, it it's, it's weird to think I'm a first generation American. Mm-hmm. Like my family, not me. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, we traced your family back to the Mayflower, didn't we? Uh, there are rumors about Mayflower blood, but um, I mean, definitely I mean, to at the least 1600s. the 1640s. Yeah, so yeah. about nine nine generations. Yeah, my family didn't get here until uh, you know, in the nineteen, um, I think the nineteen twenties. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's it's weird think of all, all these uh, different changes and and that's exactly why my, my family got here. There was no economic opportunity where yeah. uh, they came from in Sicily. Shit, they're lucky they got out in the 20s. <laughs> that's right um, because it was hitting the fan. Yeah. In the 30s it was hitting the fan. Big time. Um, it's still hitting the fan. Oh yeah. Uh, and they came here and there. It's funny. You ever see any of those PBS specials, the documentaries about the uh, immigrants from that time period? Yeah, they're they're great. They're like, I'm not Italian. I'm American. You know, yeah. and they're like total broken English, and <laughs> they're out there sweeping. We all have grandmas that like swept the streets. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's so crazy. Yeah, and. Like when I was a teacher, we had some kids that wouldn't even stand for like the 
Pledge of Allegiance or anything, I say, oh, this is not my country. I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm not going to force you, but it's like that's that's quite a different uh, attitude from, you know, where where I grew up. Yeah. But the Shakers, let's get let's start with the Shakers. They were ordinary people who chose to give up their families, their property, and worldly ties in order to know by daily experience the peaceable nature of Christ's kingdom. So, um, they're a type of uh, uh, Christian, but they were, I mean, there's certainly things that sort of, by today's standard, border on like cult-like behavior, like giving away all your stuff and yeah, things like that. Real fundamentalist uh, yeah. ideas. Um, <laughs> I'm chuckling because I remembered why they died off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's still like two of them, aren't there? Yeah, there's two. Yeah. <laughs> In return, they were welcomed into holy families where men and women lived as brother and sister, where all property was held in common and where each participated in the rigorous daily task of transforming the earth into heaven. I mean, they have a lot of great uh, idealistic views. Mm-hmm. Wow, they all start out that way. Yeah, don't they? Uh, Shakerism was founded by an illiterate English factory worker named Ann Lee. Uh, guided by divine visions and signs, she and eight pilgrims came to America in 1774 to spread her gospel in the New World. Um, so we're backtracking a little bit in time now from the Empire period, just mm-hmm. a bit. You know, a lot of these things overlap. Uh, no clear cuts like we go from Empire to right. Shaker with a, you know, a due date. I'm always surprised at how these things start. Like somebody, some illiterate factory worker named Ann Lee proclaims visions. All right, she's got eight people to follow her at least. She was inhaling fumes at the factory, I think. How does it? How does it get? bigger than that i i mean i'm fascinated by the progression of events listen you've met plenty of people we know how stupid people are it ain't hard to get a get a posse of people to follow follow you around i know but so at their height in 1840 70 years later basically there are more than six thousand believers uh, they lived in 19 communal villages from New England to Ohio and Kentucky. Wow. So that's the that's the far west, Ohio and Kentucky, uh, back then. Yeah. Um, tales of their peaceful and prosperous lives impressed the world's utopians. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was a thing, you know, people um, like, you know, Thoreau and Walden and all that stuff. But Shaker aspirations were divine, not social or material. Um, as millennialists, they were unified in the belief that Christ ha- had come again. I don't really understand what a millennialist is. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're in, of the belief that Christ had already come, first in the person of Mother Anne, and subsequently, in all whom the Christ consciousness awakens. Hmm. It was therefore the duty of each believer to live purely in the kingdom come 
and to strive for perfection in everything he or she did. Yeah, that's some... Um, uh, the plot thickens. Yeah. Uh, but all of that led to some of the, some of the good that came out and uh, um, some of the things we value as woodworkers. Yeah. Because work was the currency of their service. Um, they, that, they put that above all. Hard work, honest work, good work. If you're going to do something, do it right the first time. Mm-hmm. Do it to the best of your abilities. So in all that stuff that maybe sounds a little bit extreme, there are a lot of things that they uh, believed in that we believe in as well. Right. Um, if the world was to be redeemed and restored to God, the Shakers would accomplish it by the dedicated labor of their hands. So maybe their uh, their purpose was different than ours, but um, we have similar ideals. Yeah, it's like almost like a Buddhist kind of mm-hmm. setup where yeah. you're working towards this like nirvana kind of thing through hard work. Yeah, yeah. They believe that God dwelt in the details of their work and in the quality of their craftsmanship. All their devotion, which no longer went to family or home, (laughs) was put into what they made. Screw those damn kids. (laughs) So they have all this extra time and energy. Their villages were meticulously constructed and maintained. Their workshops were world-renowned for reliable goods and their gardens provided amply for their own needs, with plenty to spare for the poor. Hmm. So again, um, it's like anything. You got to take it the good with the bad. And, yeah. Uh, Shakerism is a system which has a distinct genius, a strong organization, a perfect life of its own, through which it would appear to be help helping to shape and guide in no small measure, the spiritual career of the United States. Hmm. That's, a t- that's a quote from Hepworth Dixon. Um, and uh, I should have noted who he was because at this point in time, I don't remember. I could look it up real quick. Uh, yeah, so he says it's, that Shakerism has a distinct genius, a strong organization, and a perfect life of its own. And it's going to help and guide in no small measure, the spiritual career of the U.S. He's a historian. He is a historian. From the 1800s. Yeah. Um, So Quakers had admirers. Shakers. Uh, Yeah, Shakers. Not the Quakers. Shaking Quakers. Uh, Here we go. According to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the United Society of Believers in Christ's second appearing... Commonly known as the Shakers, that's that's a much more catchy name. Yeah, it's sort of like um, who am I thinking of? The Latter Day Saints mm-hmm. and the Mormons. So the Shakers conducted the largest and most successful communal experiment in American history. Wow! Well, today there's only one active Shaker community. And at the time I was reading this, with three members, there's only two left. They got someone to join. (laughs) At Sabbath Day Lake in Maine, 
At its height during the mid-19th century, this Protestant sect had more than 6,000 members and spread across 18 and 19 communities. Wow. Uh, the largest and most influential community was established at New Lebanon, New York in 1787 and remained active until 1947. So Shakers have been around for a while, and they yeah. were they were kind of current for, uh, you know, well into the 20th century. Yeah, I wonder if there was any uh, in New Jersey. Probably. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I know there were Quakers. So they first came to... America from England in uh, 1774, and they were led by Anley. We told you that. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, better known to the to the Shakers as God. <laughs> um, so I guess they were Quakers in England. This small radical group of English Quakers believed that the millennium, Here the thousand go. years of peace with Christ before the end of the world, was at hand. There's your answer to the millennialists. Yeah, yeah. So they they thought it was going to be the thousand years of peace before the end of the world. If they only knew. Well, we knew that. We know now that they were wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and they were known as the Shaking Quakers or Shakers because of their penchant for ecstatic movement and dancing during worship. Hmm a physical response to their sense of being infused with the Spirit of God. <laughs> well, these religious dis dissidents surrendered themselves to God and emulated Christ's pure and humble life on earth. The Shakers were super religious. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way to put it. They, their whole thing was in the service of God, and how that manifested itself in, in woodwork and a whole style yeah. is kind of odd almost. Yeah. They should have called themselves the Shooken. The Shooken, yeah. Well, Shaker communities were largely self-sufficient in an attempt to separate themselves from the outside world and create a heaven on earth. Members grew their own food, constructed their own buildings, manufactured their own tools and household furnishings. So they're building everything they need. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess separating themselves from the outside world, there's, they're not influenced by trends, styles. Um, take those two things and... I guess it's inevitable that a style's going to develop. Yeah. They have there has to be one consistent thing there that um yeah, when you create a vacuum it's going to be filled with something. Right. So they need furniture, they're not buying it, they're building it. They don't care what the outside world's doing mm -hmm. and everything is so purpose driven in their life. It's interesting. Yeah. Um so believers abided by a strict set of rules governing their behavior, dress, and domestic environment. These rules were codified in the Millennial Laws of 1821, which was revised and greatly expanded in 1845. <laughs> Wait, it gets weirder. <laughs> um, but although they lived under these rigid ordinances, rules, statutes, they were socially quite progressive. Hmm. 
They believed in racial and sexual equality, which is basically unheard of in 1820 America. Pacifism, which they shared with the Quakers. Uh, Common property, uh, communal living. And here we go. This This is why they died. Celibacy was also part of the Shaker orthodoxy, and as a result, believers had to recruit people from the outside world to prevent their communities from dying out. Now, wouldn't you think... Wouldn't you write in, like, a stipulation where... (laughs) If you're married, you know... (laughs) It's funny how that happens, because uh, they're Protestants, so they got to... I mean, are they using the Bible... I don't know. I guess they would. Yeah. Doesn't it say in there somewhere? I'm no Bible expert, but doesn't it sort of promote procreation there? Well, yeah. I mean, everybody up until that point was doing it. So Be fruitful and multiply. Doesn't that come from the Bible? Or? I mean, sounds like it. So this was a real left turn. I mean, the whole... Uh... The, there's that whole string in uh, what is it Genesis where the, he had a son and his name and it's like five thousand <laughs> yeah. names just just laying out like a thousand names of people. So yeah, we're gonna have this community and we want to encourage its principles and grow it. I I I, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean they must have been real believers because they thought. You know that they, they, they could just proselytize and and get recruits. Well, and you know, well, there's not much time left, so we don't have to procreate. Maybe that's the end it. is near. I, I never thought of it that way. Um, but they had some great guiding principles outside that sort of thing that um, anybody could attach them to, attach themselves to uh, honesty, utility, simplicity. Um, and it, it found its expression in the various crafts that they did, mm-hmm. furniture boxes, uh, textiles. It's all renowned for the minimalist design, and uh, this is a great word, unstinting quality. Mm, unstinting. I'm going to have to learn how to use that word more. My Don't normal. be so obsequious. <laughs> If somebody calls you obsequious, it's not a compliment. <laughs> if, even even if you don't know what it means, if some if somebody says that to you, you could. It's not a it's not a compliment. No. <laughs> but unstinting, that's a good one. Yeah. Rejecting excessive ornament because it ostensibly encouraged the sin of pride. Hmm. I see. Uh, isn't that kind of like? Okay, the ornament is uh, prideful, but doing a good job is not prideful. I know. It's I kind mean, of like uh, contradictory. You know what's crazy? Uh, now, I've been to the St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, <laughs> and every, you walk in there, and it's like everywhere you look, it's amazing craftsmanship yeah. and the most ornate. Gilded and gold. It, it, unbelievable. Yeah. It's totally the antith- 
antithesis of this. Well, you know, the Roman Catholics and their hypocrisies. <laughs> that's, that's me. <laughs> I'm a proud Roman Catholic hypocrite. <laughs> so you're right. Um, like everything, especially in religion and these Protestant religions that keep popping up, it's all about interpretation. Mm-hmm. So Shaker Furniture Makers focused on overall form and proportions, and they developed creative solutions such as asymmetrical drawer arrangements and multi-purpose forms to add visual interest without resorting to pure decoration. Um, are those are those links there? Those numbers? Uh, they look like reference uh, numbers. Oh. Like oh, I guess they are. Yeah, there, man, there's the shaker table, uh, I guess. Sewing table, yeah. Yeah. It's classic, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, so we pulled up a link of what they call a sewing table. It, it kind of looks like a small chest of drawers. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's four full-width drawers with two drawers on top split down the middle. Big and, overhangs. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the top is big. Let's see, we missed a couple up here. Oh, there's the... Yeah, the classic shaker box. Yep. These are from the Met. Yeah, I I mean, it's it's amazing that a, a small group like this, there's their uh, the sampler for their needlework. Yeah, that's cool. Has stuff that's really so widely renowned and respected. Um, and it's cool. Instead of like going for flash, they said, well, let's make the core of this thing look pleasing. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't just go in for straight utilitarian design. Like, well, this box, this box needs to just hold, uh, you know, our spices. So what's the difference? Everything had a little bit of panache to it. Yeah. And, you know, we love the things, the the drawer sizing and all that stuff. So um, that, that's great. Most shaker pieces were originally painted or stained, both to protect the wood and to make it more attractive. Hmm. Colors were strictly, oh, colors were strictly, strictly regulated by the millennial laws with blues, greens, reds, and yellows, the most popular and monochromatic treatments preferred. I mean, that's a pretty, like, that's like a lot of the colors. Yeah. I mean, what are the three primary colors? Uh, blue, blue, yellow. red, and yellow, right? Yeah. So you can make them all. Yeah, well, I guess you're not allowed to mix. Oh. Only blue and yellow. You can only mix blue and yellow to get green. <laughs> no purple? No blue and red. The blues, no yellow and red yeah. to get orange. Because uh, it says here, many pieces that now have clear finishes were repainted or refinished by subsequent owners. Hmm. That's uh, that's curious. Look at that little bed. Wow. Yeah, painted. That looks comfy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. That really looks, reminds you of like a Quaker piece, doesn't it? Yeah. That looks very, uh, you know, colonial. Yep, those bracket feet. Mm-hmm. This is this must be uh, 
early stuff because there we go. We're starting yeah. to get into the shaker aesthetic there yeah. in their cupboard. That um, chest said 1835, I think. 1835 to 1875. Yeah. So, yeah, no, not that, not that early. No. You got to figure that. That's um, 100 years after the inception of, uh, look, they've yeah. had it for so long, they have a black and white photo of it, too. <laughs> that the cabinet makers who joined plied their trade with what they knew as well. Yeah. Um, so there's no way that the community could be devoid of all outside influence, especially if they have to keep recruiting. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, to become a shaker, you have to be an outsider first. Yeah. It's a prerequisite because yeah. you, you're not being born into it unless, I mean, maybe there's some, <laughs> there's some little accident. hanky-panky on the side going on. And <laughs> I, I wonder. you getting shunned? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I wonder... I can't remember if the Quaker, if the Shakers are shunners. Uh, I'm confused with my Shakers and my Quakers yeah. now. I think the Quakers were definitely shunners. Yes. Yeah, the Quakers, that's what uh, distinguished them from the Puritans, if I remember. Mm. You know, one of their big things, they were shunners. Yeah. Oh, look at this. I'm, I'm ahead of myself. The first generation of Shaker furniture makers were converts who'd previously worked in the outside world before joining the Shakers. Uh, already familiar with the prevailing neoclassical fashion or rectilinear and attenuated forms and restrained ornamentation, they took these impulses even further, eliminating veneers, inlays, and carving. All right. I mean, we definitely see federal legs on that table yeah um long thin tapers mm -hmm. uh sort of looks like a a, a mishmash of uh design elements there though yeah. right again with a large overhang mm-hmm yeah the top is is so much bigger oh the candle stand looks yeah like i mean that's very uh, classic yeah um, Getting a little too curvaceous here. Yeah, for the, for the, yeah. Has curved legs. They were big turners, though. No? Yeah. Um, but yeah, their their tops so far have been relatively big as far as the overhangs mm -hmm. compared to what we're used to and have seen. Um, so what are the Shaker tenants? Um, they they held that their manufacturers goods should be honest in construction and appearance. Therefore, deceitful practices such as veneering and applied ornamentation were incompatible with Shaker beliefs. Mm, man, harsh. Uh, and what would they think about veneered plywood? Ooh. And uh, particle board and uh, all of uh, today's oh, manufacturing. You use MDF, you're going straight to hell. Oh, yeah. I, I know couple of cabinet shop owners that are going straight to hell. <laughs> MDF or otherwise. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that doesn't even include uh, all the shaker tenants they're breaking. Yeah, my God. <laughs> well, we know he's not getting laid, so, so that's not one of them. <laughs> he, he might be a shaker. <laughs> Involuntarily. Yeah. What, I got what the celibate they, part he's down. He's an incel. He's an incel. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! <laughs> we, just, we just veered off course. Well, what else is new? 
So the Shakers are, are an interesting group. They come over to America. Um, they're, they're not intending to be furniture makers. They're not intending to be um, drivers of fashion or style or anything near that. Uh, but somehow they do. Yeah. Um, while other furniture makers use imported woods, such as mahogany and rosewood, shakers use local American woods, pine, maple, cherry. In place of imported brass drawer pulls, they use the, the simple maple, well, it's usually maple or pine, turn knob. That's that mushroom round knob. Yep. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what you see, that these chests... The six drawer chest. Mm -hmm. That one's got a, a a small top on it. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's maple or pine. It's it's definitely a, that golden. Uh, fully. Oh wait, we got a got an interactive zoom over oh. here. That's definitely pine. Yeah. Um. Overlay drawers with a yeah. you know looks like a lamb's tongue maybe. OG sort of uh, outside. We got a mitered molding around the top. Yep. A little unorthodox. I'll say. Pine doesn't move very much. No. Um, and real simple base. Just yeah. a little trim molding around it. it. Just runs straight to the floor. You know, what's interesting too is these are the pieces that survive. Mm -hmm. When we're looking back you know, 150 years or more, where our examples are going to be of the pieces that somehow survived. Yeah. Um, to support their community, Shakers, Shakers sold surplus food and goods to outsiders. All right, so we're starting to see how this, how their style kind of infiltrates. By the 1860s, chair making had become a staple industry of the new Lebanon community in New York. Hmm. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, it's the ladder back. Yeah. Yeah, with their turn posts, slat or ladder backs, and woven seats, shaker chairs were simplified versions of a centuries-old design that remained popular in part because the component parts were comparatively quick and easy to produce. Let's yeah, like almost like a Jacobian design. Yeah. Obviously, this is a rocker, but... Yeah. Those straight, um, like the legs and and the back, uh, well, you, you know, supports, the styles, yeah. if it was a frame of panel door, uh, are one piece. It's straight up. Mm -hmm. um, they put a curve in the back slat to add a little bit of comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, woven seat, straight arms, yeah. straight front legs, you know, small bit of turning on on the on the bracing between yeah. the legs. Some little you know finials and stuff, yeah. but nothing yeah. crazy. All very understated. When marketing their furniture, the Shakers trumpeted their attention to detail and quality in an era when mass-produced furniture was synonymous with shoddy construction. So in our last episode, we were talking about Meeks 
mm-hmm. his factory, the Industrial Revolution in America, and the Shakers are sort of the precursor to the arts and crafts movement in that respect. They're yeah, like their their shtick is we make this stuff here by hand. Look at how much we put into it. This rocker is going to last you a hundred years. Yeah, which I don't know. Again, it sounds like it sort of goes against the idea of selflessness. <laughs> Whereas the arts and crafts movement was very much about the self. Yes. The Shakers, at least in what they say, it was supposed to not be about the self. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess you know it's hard to. Yeah. It. Well, you know, with any religious movement. We're going to find plenty of contradiction, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, that, that you, they're trying to sort of uh, create and live in this utopian society, but deal with the outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always going to have to be concessions there. Yeah. Um, so they're... This is pretty cool. The Shakers were constantly experimenting with labor-saving devices, and much of their furniture was made with the aid of circular saws, mortising machines, and steam-powered lathes. Using these power tools, Shaker furniture makers reinterpreted traditional forms with an emphasis on utility and simplicity. So in, in these ways, they are very progressive. Yeah. They're they, not. They must have been selling a lot of furniture to be able to afford the machinery, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's another difference between um, the Quakers, who they sort of shunned the uh, the use of machinery and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, at least some of them did. Uh oh, here comes the trestle table. I mentioned this is one of our very very first podcast mm-hmm. mentions the trestle table. Uh, the Shakers modified the standard trestle table by moving the medial stretcher up from just above the floor to directly underneath the top. All right, I'm, I can picture that. So the long stretcher between the, the two trestles, it was typically down near the floor. Yep. The Shakers moved it up just underneath the top. Um, on a functional level, this creates more leg room. Avoids damage to the stretcher, while aesthetically the open base made the table appear lighter and less cumbersome. And there it is. Yeah, that's very shaker. Yeah, what do you think? Um, it's okay. I kind of like it more towards where you could see it. Yeah, it where it, I guess it gets in the way, but if you have a narrow table. Right. That's the thing. These tables were much narrower than we think of with our modern tables. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm probably going to catch some flack for saying this, and I'm probably in the minority, but I, I'm not a big fan of the Shaker furniture. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not. Yeah. There's certain things that I really like, but, like, you see how they had those breadboard ends on there? Yeah. They're too tiny for me. Yeah. I kind of like that about the top. Yeah. Aesthetically. Functionality-wise, I can't say, you know, I mean, hey, it looks awfully flat. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, those those chests of drawers and stuff, mm-hmm. I, I just can't get into it. 
the flat overlay yeah, yeah. faces and stuff, it just doesn't do it for me. No. And it it's a little too light for me a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. So, um they they took, you know, the the standard trestle table, modified it. Um I guess purely for functional reasons. Yeah. Um and uh, similarly they developed these distinctive chairs with a low single slat back. Uh, that's interesting, which could slide under the dining table or hang on a wall peg when not in use. I mean, that's that's a big thing with yeah, the shakers. Yeah, we know all about the, the shaker yeah. peg. Again, really, really straight. This is not something I could see like having in my house as part of my decor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of like a novelty-looking thing to me. Yeah. Um, but that this the the form is instantly recognizable. Mm-hmm. And you could see the crossover with like the Pennsylvania Dutch type stuff. Yes. Um it's it's almost like vernacular furniture. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so utilitarian that it's um it's just stupid simple. Yeah, you, you think there were any converts? From uh, Quakers to Shakers? Mm, it's possible. I mean, somebody would have to... Uh, they wanted to use tools, but they had to give up sex. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a, there's a trade-off. Yeah. You, you got to love making furniture. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But you don't, get, you don't get to make anything too interesting. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah to as this is another thing everybody probably knows to maximize space shaker case furniture was either built into the room itself or freestanding designed to fit in specific areas look at that see that this i like yeah the cupboard yeah Yeah, it, it's got the frame and panel doors. Yeah. It's a little bit more interesting. It's got nice proportions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, like I said, a lot of it's going to depend on the examples that survived and that I was able to dig up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love the the the... What what would you call that the the tone and the the what's the p word? Uh, I hate when I can't think of anything. Uh, the word. patina. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, of these pieces. Yeah. You know to think that like maple or pine could get to that color. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. I, I mean that that richness. The Met uh, has a lot of furniture. It does. I mean, it might be worth a trip. Yeah. You know, we could we could have a hot dog at Gray's Papaya. Was <laughs> it Central Park? Yeah. Oh. Henry R. Luce Center for the Study of American Art. Yeah, where is it? Is it up on? I'm thinking of the Natural Museum of Fifth Natural Avenue. History. 
Fifth it's Avenue. Seventy seventh. What's the cross street there? Sixty what's that say? Oh, you're asking the wrong person. East eightieth. Oh, it is up there. But it's on the other side of the park from uh in the Museum of Natural History. Yeah, that must be right there. Yeah. That's where we used to go for field trips. Yeah, I went there for one. I've never been to the Met, though. I don't think I have either. I, I mean, if I have, it's been so long. Mm-hmm. It might be worth the trip to get out there. Yeah. Is it a uh, same deal as the museum where you just do a donation? Yeah, or free Tuesdays. Buy tickets. Met Fifth Avenue. They have one of the cloisters, too, it says. Oh, yeah, the cloisters. Remember I was talking about the cloisters. $25 for... Why is it so small? Because it's on a 27-inch screen. $25 for adults, 17 for seniors, 12 for students. I'm Free almost, for members, patrons, and children under 12. <clears throat> I'm almost getting in for a senior discount now. Yeah. Flash my ARP card. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the first Tuesday of every month. In New York, all the museums are free. Yeah, well, you don't want to go on that day. Everybody's going to be out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We'd rather pay the $25 yeah. and avoid people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what day is it the most expensive? <laughs> That's the day we're going to visit. Yep. <laughs> right, cool. Yeah, we, that, that'd be a cool trip. Uh, where were we? Uh, we were talking about membership. Um, Membership in Shaker communities declined steadily after the Civil War. <laughs> yeah. The believers' ascetic lifestyle and fervent spirituality proved no match for the pull of modern life. And by the early 20th century, many Shaker communities had closed for the want of new members. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you expect? Yeah. Could you imagine, if you think about it, like, What's popular early 20th century, the the roaring 20s? Yeah. I mean, people are drinking and partying, and it's a whole thing. Yeah. You know, gin joints and, and nightclubs. Loose w women. Yeah. Well, I mean, women are out doing their thing for the first time, yeah, probably. Can finally vote. So, man, that's that's a tough sell. Uh-oh. In the 1930s, Faith and Edward Deming Andrews recognized that the Shaker movement was disappearing from the historical record. Oh, this is this is good. So the Shakers probably weren't you know like documenting the, their own lives. Right. Um so Faith and Edward Andrews, they recognized this and they began to document the remaining communities. Uh, largely through their efforts, Shaker culture and design became the subject of scholarly inquiry and museum exhibitions. Shaker furniture made for the outside world or rescued from newly closed communities became highly coveted by collectors. Hmm. Almost like you said, like vernacular furniture, like like folk art in a way, right? Yeah. Uh, so... What what else does Shakers believe? They wanted to apply harmony and order to every aspect of their daily life, uh, as they put it. And I, I had to look this up 
a couple of times to try and get this. Maybe you can uh, understand it better than I did. This is what the Shakers said, and I came across this quote often. Do your work as though you had a thousand years to live and as if you were to die tomorrow. And it says, implying a work ethic devoted to simplicity, functionality, and longevity. Hmm. So, I mean, are they saying, like, as if you were to die tomorrow, like, leave it all out on the field? Yeah, that's kind of the way I got it. Like, you know, do your work as though you had a thousand years. Keep keep working hard and doing better. And then, and as if you were to die tomorrow. Well, you better do your best work today because you might die tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Let's see a picture of the Shaker retiring room. So... This is this is pretty much um, a tableau of shaker furniture. Mm-hmm. Looks like a little writing desk. Yeah, the, one of the typical shaker side chairs hanging from a peg. Yep. Looks like that candle holder is also hanging from a peg. Yeah. See, I'm more of a fan of the shaker aesthetic in terms of like the um, the millwork. Mm-hmm. You know the the. Um, the, the moldings and, stuff. and yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree with that. The apronless window looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's really clean. Mm-hmm. Like this. Yeah, that doesn't do anything for me. That little writing table. Yeah. Neither does that other table. To tell you the truth. No. This is the coolest thing in the room. I think. Yeah. It's a little low back chair, like a yeah. looks like almost a circular round seat. Yeah, with a, this round crest rail. Mm-hmm. Spindles back. Mm-hmm. But they're low. It's a low back. Yeah. You know, kind of hit you in the middle of your back there. Look at this. I got cafe uh, curtains. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Retiring room twenty. Okay, this is a different view. It was probably two. Yeah, same room. You could see the bed. Yeah, just, that's. I don't like that bed. No, me either. Um, what would you call that headboard style? Mm, shaker. Yeah. Um, I like the rocker though. I, I could I could see having a couple of those rockers. Yeah, out on the porch. Yeah, outside. That's it's a got nice some wood. nice figure, yeah. Yeah. Like fiddleback. Right. Man, it must be almost lunchtime. I heard that from over here. Yeah, did you? Yeah. Yeah, that was my stomach. <laughs> yeah, we're tuned in to the 12 o'clock lunchtime around here. Uh, I mean, I... I am. Jeff, Jeff doesn't partake. No, this candlestick table, I, I kind of like that. Yeah. I like the shape of, of this right here. Yeah. I wouldn't call that necessarily shaker. We've seen that design in yeah. in other um definitely federal. Yeah. Right? That bed is kinda ugly. These club feet it's got. Yeah. And the proportions are so it's like, yeah, they slept alone for sure. Look at oh, the size yeah. of that bed. Yeah, there's no hanky panky <laughs> going on in that thing. <laughs> Oh Definitely not. Looks like a child's bed. <laughs> so what is shaker furniture? 
enough about the, the Shakers' um, lifestyle and who they are. But it, it's kind of important if we're talking about design to start at the beginning. Yep. It's like we, we want to, you know, create this, you know, well-rounded vision of what we're talking about. Um, so uh, some of this might be redundant, but we might clear some things up. Shaker-style furniture. It's simple and clean, functional, practical, minimalist, and at times elegant. Um, we didn't see too many examples of that elegance in the pictures. but no, a candlestick uh, table, I'd say, is yeah. the most elegant. Uh, it's born in the northeast of America, and it is an American furniture style. Um, some call it sophisticated, a sophisticated utilitarian design. I, I don't know about that. I mean, yeah. my own opinion. What do you think, Jeff? Sophisticated is not one of the words that comes to mind. Yeah, me either. It's so American, an American furniture style, uh, utilitarian, characterized by straight tapered legs, mushroom shaped wooden knobs. Uh, I got a quote here from Antoine de Saint. Oh, these foreign names. Exupery. Yeah. Is that exupery? I don't know. I was going to say, the sophisticated, like, I feel like it's just been romanticized by people who may describe themselves as sophisticated. And, and I, it's I, I think sort that's of an excellent point. Like guilty by association. Mm-hmm. I think that's an excellent point. Well, Antoine, and we'll skip Antoine's last name because I'm uh, a clod here. I can't pronounce it. Perfection is achieved not when there's nothing more to add, but when there's nothing more to take away. Sometimes. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the Shakers. Yeah. Shakers all over. Shaker versus mission style. They've kind of become uh, one and the same in, uh, you know, our generic furniture terms. I mean, there's definite differences in where they they start and everything. Mm-hmm. Shaken and mission furniture are often associated because both styles have been adopted by traditional furniture craftsmen like us. The Amish are often cited as the source of both design philosophies, although that's not true in either case. Yeah, we know that. <laughs> we do now. <laughs> the Amish are the people we forgot. We were talking about Quakers. We forgot the Amish. Mm -hmm. Shaker-style furniture originated from the shaking Quakers in the late 1700s and early 1800s. It wasn't for another few decades that mission-style furniture began to emerge, although both styles originated in New England. Hmm. I didn't know that. See, I thought mission was an offshoot of the arts and crafts period. Yeah, mission was, uh, I always thought it was influenced by the Western missions. I thought it was uh, the story that I read was that there was a company selling, basically they were selling stickly ripoffs, and mm-hmm. they thought it looked like the furniture that was in the Western missions, and they called it mission furniture. But that, that must be, be true. Complete BS. I mean, I don't know. That's the thing. You know, we we might learn a little bit more as we go along. Yeah. While both Shaker and Mission style furniture share some basic characteristics, here are a few differences worth noting. Shaker, tapers, graduated drawers, plain wood, wooden pulls. Mission, 
parallel slats, exposed joinery, darker stains, and leather. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's those are definitive. Uh, I can recall though that looking at three or four sources, mm-hmm. they seem to be citing the same stuff. I don't know if that's was just laziness on their part, and right. that's why I couldn't find anything different. Let's see. This is what Wikipedia says. Mission furniture is a style of furniture that originated in the late 19th century, so late 1800s. Traces its origins to a chair made by A.J. Forbes around 1894 for San Francisco's Swedenborgian Church. Oh, yeah, Swedenborgian Church. That's still around in San Francisco. Wow. Term mission furniture was first popularized by Joseph P. McHugh of New York, a furniture manufacturer and retailer who copied these chairs and offered a line of stylistically related furnishings by 1898. The word mission references the Spanish missions throughout colonial California. Though the design of most mission-style furniture owed a little owed little to the original furnishings of these missions, the style became increasingly popular following the 1901 Pan-American Exposition in Buffalo. The style was popular, popularly associated with the American arts and crafts movement. There you go. And the first reference picture, Gusev Stickley, drop front desk, circa 1903, Brooklyn Museum. Nice. So it was. It was somebody ripped off a design that was in a mission, and they <laughs> called it Mission Furniture. Uh, uh. Popularized by a New Yorker. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and the influential people and companies. Gustav Stickley, L&JG Stickley, Stickley Brothers, Charles Limbert, Grand Rapids Bookcase and Chair Company, which I think... I think we mentioned them. Weren't they associated with Stickley somehow? Yeah. Um, The Shop of the Crafters and Ford Johnson. That's great. I mean, like, Mission is... I don't see any, I shouldn't say I don't see any. It's a far cry from Shaker. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's funny, like the Shaker door, people talk about like, oh, I'm getting a Shaker-style kitchen. A lot of people also call that mission style. Yeah. Like that. The flat panel. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, oh, that's it. That's all we got. Yeah, that's it for the intro to... To the Shaken Quakers, the Shooken. So I hope you've enjoyed that episode and uh, that uh, little historical uh, narrative on the on the Shakers. Yeah, I'm gonna call this episode Shaken, not Stirred. Shaken, not Stirred. I like that. Yeah. That's it. Now, if I can remember that when oh. I put it up next week. I'm hungry. Next week for us. This week for you. Yeah. If you're listening to this, it's already up. Yeah, ne- next week is going to be notable shakers and their contributions. Yeah. Well. Well, folks, we'll leave you with that. Um, thanks for tuning in. Yeah. We'll see you next week, episode season two, episode twenty three.